Hello everyone, I'm Ismail Pai Civico and I wish you all a very warm welcome to a new episode of The Civic Podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to be speaking about inequality, extreme poverty and poverty in a more general manner and how our actual perception is on who is a poor person and who isn't poor and how do we define inequality? Should we preoccupy ourselves with the difference there is between the people at the bottom and the people at the top? Or should we preoccupy ourselves with how much the people at the bottom have or should have? And that's a bit the main idea, is the, is the misinterpretation of these different terms. again everyone and as you can see today we're going to be discussing about inequality but mainly I'm going to focus more on economic inequality and we can go a bit forward towards social inequalities because there is a big difference between both of them they are linked in a way right because if you have some of most of the time if you have social inequality it means that there is an economic inequality actually enforcing that so when you speak about social disparities uh, it does go sometimes hand in hand with the amount of money you have in your bank account for example and that's how you divide people based on social status mainly um, and then you have also intellectual social status which is different if you're if you're a person with a PhD or you're just an undergrad so there are different kinds of, of, of social hierarchies right but but the term inequality why I want to bring this up because when we hear it generally in politics or in the media it generally something to this it's generally a term used to describe that something is inherently bad that inequality is bad that we must fight inequality that we should all be as equal as possible right uh, this is a bit of egalitarian way of thinking um, I actually I was reading a book and it took like the first chapter was maybe like 40 pages and those 40 pages they were trying to define what was egalitarianism and those 40 pages could have been resumed let's say in a page explaining what is equality of opportunity and equality of outcome right is that just because there isn't an equality in in outcome doesn't mean there isn't an equality of opportunity right and just a bit in a nutshell a book i was reading uh, i think it was i forgot the title where is it oh, it's down there uh, illusions of equality I think the title is yes so illusions of equality and every single society is going to have inequalities right but what we should we shouldn't be bothered as much with inequality in itself as on how much do the people at the bottom of that inequality have right um, just to give you an example when it comes to to economic inequality uh, here in Belgium uh, the poverty line is at around 1,112 euros per month, if I'm not mistaken. So every person that lives, that's for one adult, right? That's for one adult living alone is 1,112 euros per month. Um, lots of parts in Belgium, you can live quite well with that. Uh, in Brussels, you can live with that. I mean, I'm not going to disclose how much I earn and how much I live with, but uh, if I'm not, if I'm not in that now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. But I was in that for quite a lot of time. I've had some help, of course. Um, 
but people do live with that quite well let's say and still when it when that comes to uh uh to statistics they will still be counted in as in the poor line um can a poor person for example buy a car can a poor person buy an iphone can a poor person buy or afford let's say a computer can they afford to eat outside uh, once a week and that's why these terms are getting a bit shifted along the way um when it comes to poverty and then again extreme poverty so i think our focus should be mainly on the people that are really at the bottom there and not worry so much on the people that are above us so basically the perception when you when you try to um, measure inequality you try to see always how much the person at the bottom has and how much the person at the top has and then everything in between that big disparity is the inequality that you're trying to put forward and they say okay oh, this is a big issue because there's so much between the person here and the person there but then again there aren't just only two stratuses in society it's not just the poor and the rich you have the middle class the middle low class the middle high class the high class uh, the, the the rich people and then the extra extra rich people right and then downwards you have the same thing you have the middle class you have the middle low class you have the low class um you have the poor class let's say and you have people in extreme poverty um a bit bold saying this but extreme poverty in where in the west is not that big of an issue as it is uh around the globe around the globe extreme poverty is still big it's still a big issue uh, i think it was in the 1990s around uh three billion people i think it was uh, no, maybe a bit less. I've got, I think it was like 36% of the world population lived in extreme poverty. That was in the 1990s. Um, they tried, they wanted to, to halve that by by 2015. It got halved in 2010. So people saying that people are getting poorer around the world, that is just not true. Extreme poverty has been cut in half. And that's also taken into account uh, the poverty line that are right now is at $1.90 uh, in the whole world and taking account the inflation that has been going up, right? So that was around 125 uh, before, when was that? 2012, I think it was. I'm sorry if you can hear that beeping. Um, call outside. Okay, anyways. So I think now it's around 190. And that also took into account. So so you can say, okay, well, uh, X people are probably up that that poverty line, that extreme poverty line, not poverty line, extreme poverty line at $1.90 uh, per day, per person, let's say. Um but then maybe they all stayed under the under the 390, let's say, threshold. But what you can see is that at every single threshold, more and more people are going upwards, right? So poverty is not getting worse. Actually, there's less poverty before. Every day we're actually uh, fighting poverty and poverty is getting a lot better, let's say. Uh, people aren't as poor nowadays. That's on a world scale. We're not just talking about the West. That's really on a world scale. So we always keep saying the, the, the economic inequalities, the social inequalities. Now, let's get back how you can have an actual good social equality. That's again, coming back to the equality opportunity. I've said it 10,000 times. I love the idea and I'm a big defender of, of public education. I think, I think every single young person should have access to the same kind of education and quality education all throughout, right? Formal or non-formal education. If you don't know what non-formal education is, I'll probably dive into it uh, soon enough. Uh, probably most of you who listen to me already know what that is. But in any case, that is something that, that I highly defend. And healthcare also, right? Uh, public healthcare. Uh, that's not to say I don't actually also like the private healthcare sphere. I think there should be a balance between the both. And people are free to choose whatever they want to choose uh, between the both, right? But that's just basic access that people need, right? Is a good uh, social tissue uh, or a good welfare estate that actually keeps them af uh, afloat throughout the time that they need to actually develop themselves or 
or if they hit rock bottom at some point, uh, economic rock bottom, they actually have something to, to bounce back up again. And that's why we need to actually promote entrepreneurship. For example, if people want to start their own business and it goes horribly wrong, they can't be screwed for the rest of their lives just because one mistake happened or their bet didn't go the way they wanted to be, to go, right? Uh, we need to try and, and, and create wealth a bit. And this term of inequality, the only people that tried all that, well, even, even the communists didn't really say, I mean, of, of course, I wanted to economic equality, let's say. They, they, first, they didn't succeed equality, uh, not at all. Uh, there was like the really rich and then there were the really poor and there were more people at the really poor. And the problem is that even though there was equality there, the level or the, or the, or, or the well-being, let's say, the economic and social well-being of, of, of those people was very, very low, right? People were dying of famines, so many people. I mean, so many people were killed in Ukraine, for example, and, and all around the Soviet, all across the Soviet uh, Union. So that's also something to take into account. No society has ever achieved to completely scrape off inequality and to have and to not have inequality, basically. And why I wanted to speak about this specific issue, and I'm trying to still wrap my head around how I'm going to explain it. Because again, I mean, these podcasts are just me brainstorming on specific ideas. And the term inequality is generally used in a bad way. That's why the title said, uh, is inequality inherently bad, right? Is, is inequality something bad that we should really be preoccupied with, in a way? And that really depends. Do the people at the bottom of that stratus don't even have enough to eat or a place to sleep? Then yes, I think that kind of redistribution of wealth should be, is necessary so that the people at the bottom at least can cover the the first two boxes of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the bottom is everything that's physiological. So so food, water, um, clothing, if you will, um, a, a roof over your head, right? And then the second is like uh, security and freedom. I think it was, I can't remember. Not really, but anyway. Um, so those two things that generally the, sh the state should help you. Shouldn't provide to you directly, but it should help you in obtaining. And why should I say it should help you in obtaining and not provide you directly? It's because it's a big example in Spain. In the constitution, and I think in most constitutions you have this, that they say that every single person is entitled to a home, uh, they're entitled to a roof over their heads, right? Something of the sort. And then that's expecting that the state will provide that to you for no cost whatsoever, which is not entirely that either. I mean, uh, the constitution or any legal article or any legal code needs to be read in a very specific way. And you can't just interpret it in the way you want to interpret it. Uh, and, and the way, I mean, with that I'm studying law, I'm not a big connoisseur, let's say, of, uh, of legal terms and of the legal codes and, and, and how, they use, how they have to be used, how they have to be interpreted. But for this specific um, example in Spain, it does not mean that the state needs to give you a roof if you don't have a roof over your head. Uh, the way I perceive it is that the state does need to help you and does need to give you the right to possess a roof, to possess private property, if you want to, to fully live your life, let's say, uh, like a dignified human being uh, with a certain level of dignity. Um, coming back to, to the term of inequality, I'm, at first I'm going to cover the, the side where I do think we have equality and the side where there isn't inequality and where it's basically virtually impossible to achieve. On the side where we do have equality, let's say, is equality before the law, um, is equality of dignity, like I said again, and these underlying, um, well, in Europe you have, you, you have a fairly, let's say, equal education system, right? You do have quite a solid educa uh, public education system in place and quite a solid-ish, quite health, public healthcare education, education system. So I'm not going to make 
uh, an analogy, let's say, with or a comparison with what's happening in the United States when it comes to private healthcare. I'm not, I'm, I don't really know much about private healthcare in itself, and it's not something that that, that I want to dig into just yet. But so those inequalities, we can say that they are more or less sorted, right? Regardless of who you are, you're going to be treated the same as the other person, regardless of the amount of money you have in your bank account. Now, when it comes, you can always say, oh, but these people can actually afford better lawyers and all of that. Okay, yes, that's true. Again, uh, but then the, the state provides you with um, with state lawyers. In in French, you say this, avocat uh, commis d'office. And see, this is the issue when you study law in a different language and you don't know the terms in, uh, in English. But in any case, that is actually a lawyer that provides to you that is free of charge and you can use basically for... Um, for every, if, 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 if you're in a tough situation in a legal matter, right? So that's also some sort of equality that we are trying to, to bridge the gap. Um, I, I think I'm going a bit off topic. But anyway, so going back to economic inequality, uh, we keep saying so many people are under the poverty line, the um, uh, poverty is going up in Europe, poverty is going up in the West. Um, but then... I'm going to give you an example. So, so like I said, the poverty line in 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 Belgium is around one thousand one hundred and twelve euros per person per adult per month, right? Uh, for an adult alone, for a household of two adults and two kids, is around double that. So, around two thousand two hundred and twenty. All this is net, eh? Not not uh, all all this is net income. Um, yeah, for two adults and two kids, is around two thousand two hundred euros for a single adult. If that adult earns, let's say, 1,000, so not 1,112, but 1,000 euros a month, in my humble opinion, that person is not poor, right? That person doesn't live as he would like to live, but that person is not poor. That person can still afford food, they can afford a roof over their heads, they can afford clothing, they can afford bills if they may, because again, there is quite a solid uh, healthcare system and welfare estate that can always get improved in every single aspect. That's something I always say, healthcare, education, all of that is always, that needs constant improving to actually face the, the issues we have now. For example, when it comes to COVID, healthcare did had didn't need a reform to actually answer to this big uh, health crisis we were facing, right? So I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying that at that point, um, that inequality is more or less covered. And when you try to see and let's say, for example, if now the state decides to put the poverty line at 1,400, right? So way above the inflation rate. Even if you take into account the inflation rate, they're still going to put more 200 euros on top of that. Then they're going to say, okay, 10, 15% more of the population is going to be under that poverty line. So the poverty line is done through calculations, of course. Calculations is usually uh, of the median wage. You cut that you cut that in half. So 50, 60% of the median wage is how you calculate the poverty line. Um, and I wrote an article about this, I think it was around four years ago, or three, I can't remember well. Uh, and I went to Fiji for, 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 for a project. And it was, it, it, I think it was one of the travels that most really just changed my life. It opened my eyes in so many different ways. And that sounds very cliche from like a European, oh, it goes to Fiji or, or these kind of people that, that go like do volunteering in Africa or in Latin America or in Asia. And they come back with a, with a tattoo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually did do a tattoo in Fiji, but that's not. And they come back with a tattoo and they go, oh, it changed my life. And then they start burning incense in their homes and start praying to Buddha, right? Um, that kind of really big cliche kind of European that goes outside of Europe. And then they say that travel changed their life. And I think every, every travel changes your life, to be honest. Uh, meeting new cultures, meeting new people, uh, learning new things. I think it's, 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 it can only be good, right? It's only good for you. 
it's funny because everything that I'm criticizing, I'm, I'm literally that, but never mind. I'll, I'll still criticize that in itself. And why I said it changed my, my, my life or, or my perception is that the, the people there, I wouldn't consider them poor. Not in my own definition anyway, right? Poor person for me is a poor is someone that really can't afford food, can't afford a uh, a roof, can't afford clothing. Um, that that th those basic needs, right? That for me, when it comes to poverty. But then again, that can maybe be the definition for extreme poverty. Maybe my definition of poverty is completely flawed. Uh, that's also I'm willing to accept. But why I said they for me they weren't poor, even though they were like sleeping four or five in the same room and the houses weren't that big. It was a small village we were in. Um, but the people had enough food, the people had a really nice family, let's say, uh, atmosphere around, people were very friendly, they were so happy with each other, they didn't have the issues that we just, honestly, in, if, 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 if you tell them in Europe, uh, we're worried about this, they go like, what, what are you telling me about? Why would you worry about that, right? And they had this like very carefree kind of way of thinking. Uh, not Carefree might not be the word, because they they did care for each other a lot. They, they were very careful people in, in, in lots of different ways. But if a European lived like that here in, in Europe, you could consider them poor, right? But not in that specific context down there. I mean, just for the weather and the place in itself. Uh, my dad always said to me, right, I don't care if I live in a mansion, if it's in, uh, if it's in the north or in Sweden or in something, somewhere where it's really cold, right? Just give me a small little house in the countryside in Spain with a couple of chickens and and just some crops and I'll be happy and I'll live a humble life and I'll be happy. And that for me is, is how I'm rich, right? And, and I think we really need to get straight our definitions of what is, what is poor and what is rich. Um, I'm not trying to take off the importance of the poor, right? There, there, there is still an issue with poverty. I'm just saying we need to maybe redefine what poverty actually is and how we define inequality. Um, again, I'm gonna repeat, for the terms inequality, my whole issue is not necessarily how much there is between me and the person above me. My whole issue is how much do the people at the bottom actually have, right? And that's really preoccupying yourself with the people that have less. So the people that have less, do they have enough to, uh, sorry, say to succeed in life? Do they have enough to live dignified lives? Do they have enough to uh, start a business, for example, if they want to? Do they have enough to say, okay, have this sorted out, now I can, I focus on my career, I can focus on my family, I can focus on different aspects of my life. Do they have enough to say I want to volunteer now? That's my main concern, right? And that's why our concern with inequality is flawed in a way, because we we always try to see who has more. And if that gap is too big, that's an issue, right? And there's always going to be a person that has more than you. There's always going to be a person that has less than you. Unless you're Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, then it's very difficult to have someone that has more than you, right? Um, but that's something to take into account. So it's just that perception of, of, of inequality and how we perceive it when it comes to economic terms. Now, economic inequality also comes to social inequality, if you will. We, we spoke about that very, very briefly before. Um, but I, I don't think that's the underlying issue if the needs of the people at the bottom are actually covered or most people at the bottom are actually covered. Um, and I wanna speak about this because you always see inequality is rising, poverty is rising. Poverty is not rising, that is just a lie. It's just a lie, it will be rising. I mean, it can be rising uh, on definition, let's say, or on statistics, if you put now the poverty line at 1,500, for example, without, and, and, and this is without taking into account the inflation, right? So 
if you from one day to another you 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 put the poverty line uh, instead of being one thousand hundred twelve to one thousand three hundred for example that's not taking into account inflation uh, inflation usually is gradually and it goes very very slowly right this is not slowly this is completely a complete sudden increase in the poverty line so of course you're going to have more people under that poverty line and then isn't that good news in a way that our that that's our general well-being is so high that we can actually have such a high poverty line. I think that's only positive. I think that's the, the way to perceive this is how we've advanced in the past 100 years, 150, 150 years, uh, 120 years, let's say, since 100 years. I'm not going to start getting into technicalities because then you can say, oh, 100 years ago, second, uh, First World War, and then that was completely horrible afterwards for po post-war countries that were really bad. And then you had also Second World War, and then you had, the, for example, the Spanish Civil War, which is a lot of people lived quite badly also after this, directly after the Spanish Civil War. So let's just say uh, after Second World War, okay, let's take that in the past 80 years-ish, more or less, uh, people have had, let's say, an immense... It's mind-blowing how the, the standards of life have increased so much that we can, in the West, allow ourselves to put the poverty line at 1,112 euros per month, right? Um, if you don't live in Belgium, I'm just telling you that here, more or less, to get a room, it can cost you around... You can find a room for 400 euros, everything included, right? And and you can find a studio for 600 euros. It's difficult, but it's doable. So, and and then you can perfectly well live with, th with 300 euros a month. So my, so my issue is, I'm not saying you're going to live a comfortable life. That's not the point. You do need to check your bank account once in a while. You need to be... Uh, efficient with your spending. I'm so nice. Not efficient with my spending. That's something a big flaw that I have. I'm not efficient at all with my spending. I spend stupidly and on and on necessary things, right? So, but but we need to try to be efficient with our spending. And if you're if you if if you have one thousand hundred twelve euros around that, if you have one thousand euros or nine hundred euros, you're not poor. You're just not poor. You can you can live with that. I think our term poverty is being a bit. Um, in a sense, I'm going to take it in a good way. I mean, we've used that that poverty line because, the again, the level of well-being has increased so much throughout the past decades that we can allow ourselves to have that poverty line. Again, worldwide is $1.90 uh, $1 um, a day. So that will be around, what, 50-something dollars uh, a month, which in some countries, again, it is not a lot here. I mean, you do nothing with, with, 50, with $55 uh, in Belgium a month. You do absolutely nothing. Uh, you can't even eat. That's not enough money to eat in a month, right? But in other parts of the globe, that might actually allow you to get a roof, to get some food. Now, when you speak about healthcare in those parts of the globe, that's another issue, right? Because that Janet, needs to be state-led, right? And that's not that's not something that's going to be defined by the amount of income you have. That's going to, that's going to be mainly defined by the good infrastructure that the state has put in place. And most of the areas where extreme poverty is a big issue is war-torn areas. Or, or or places of of deep conflict, right? That's where the actual issues of extreme poverty are, and that's something we need to be preoccupied about. Uh, one one big misconception there is is that the only way to I keep saying these uh, these arguments. Uh, how can these people have so many billions? Uh, um, talking about Jeff Bezos again, Elon Musk. Um, I forgot the name. The the Microsoft dude. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the anthropologist. I forgot his name. I, I can't can't believe how I forgot his name just now. But anyway, you know who he is, the the Microsoft dude. Uh, or Tim Cook, even. Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple, right? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but I think, if, yeah, it's Tim Cook. So how can these 
people have so much money and there's still so much poverty around the world. Again, poverty has been halved between the year 2000, more or less, 2012. So extreme poverty in the world is not getting worse, actually getting better. And like I said, it's not just that there are less people under the $1.90 threshold, let's say. There are also less people under the 590 threshold, the 690 threshold, the 1090 threshold. The general um, economic well-being of people worldwide is going exponentially up. If you don't believe me, just go and watch, uh, go and see the UN numbers, right? If now people say arbitrarily, okay, let's put the extreme poverty line at $10 without taking into account the inflation whatsoever just because I want to put it under $10. Then of course poverty is going to go up because that's just basically by definition on what kind of statistics you're going to gather, right? Uh, you can gather all kinds of statistics if you manipulate the initial um, criterias of those statistics. If you say, okay, I'm going to put now worldwide uh, the extreme poverty line of uh, $500 a month or 500 euros a month. Of course, extreme poverty is going to inherently... Uh, go up quite a bit. But I think the the extreme poverty line, let's say, is basically based on, on a world scale where in these countries, with these war-torn countries, with that amount of money, with two, three dollars a day, generally, I think, don't take my word for it, I think you can get food or or some sort of, of shelter over your head. Again, these are not dignified situations for people to live in, right? It's completely horrible that people need to live under these situations. But... And this just putting the example of the worldwide scale, which we shouldn't directly apply to the scale in the West, because again, our, our our general well-being and our and our life is really really high. I mean, people live really well in the West. You just need to go anywhere around the globe and see the actual inequalities that are there, right? And uh, that's why again the state comes in to do a something that resembles a bit the redistribution of wealth going hand in hand with the free market, which it is possible in the way. When you speak about free market, you're not speaking about a an anarcho-capitalistic system where no one's paid taxes and there's absolutely nothing you do. I mean, you, you do need to have some taxes to cover the basic needs of a country, right? Now, the issue comes when you put up the taxes so high that in the end you leave no space for entrepreneurship and actually in the end the only thing you want to do is give money to people well again that does not solve uh, poverty that was what I was coming at before you don't solve poverty just by giving money to people if that if that were the case poverty would have been solved a long long time ago right poverty is solved by putting good infrastructures in place in places where you need them by having democratic governments right division of power stop corruption that's generally where the poverty actually where is where it's caused generally um in places where there's a lot of extreme poverty because the governments are completely corrupt and there's a lot of corruption going on uh so you need division of power you need democratic society let's say democratic uh and democratically elected parliament uh, you need good public infrastructure um and you need some sort of free market to boost up the economy um Again, with some with some fair amount of taxes, so those public infrastructures can actually be used and be created and stay alive. Let's say throughout the time. But again, I'm I'm, I'm getting a bit lost with the definitions because it's a very it's a very difficult topic to speak about and I don't want to say things lightly that saying poverty is not an issue poverty is an issue extreme poverty around the world is an issue it's not normal that millions and millions of kids or people still don't have enough food on their tables or don't have a roof over their heads right those are 
existential issues, real issues we have today that we need to solve on a worldwide scale. But unfortunately, it just doesn't get solved by giving out money. Um, if it were, that would have been solved already. Unless UNICEF is just filling up their pockets, right, uh, with money, which I don't doubt in a way, but in any case, uh, that's not the way you're going to uh, solve extreme poverty. And you can't take definition of extreme poverty on a worldwide scale and apply it to to, to, the, to Europe, because then again, poverty here, I think is taken quite lightly. I mean, I keep saying uh, young people in precarious situations and precarious of this. Um, I saw, just to give an example, uh, they were giving an example of why young people aren't independent and don't have, um, aren't independent basically, so that young people are getting older and older and they're still living with their parents because they don't have the economic freedom. Um, that 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 is one of the factors of course it is uh people young people generally nowadays don't have jobs that are good enough for them to actually sustain themselves that's why i consider myself extremely lucky to be able to pay my general bills uh, to, to to some extent with some with some freedom uh but one of the other factors is a cultural factor and I, I was speaking about this with a friend is that people in let's say southern europe don't generally move out their homes when they are 18. I mean, un unless you come from a home, from a small town, you need to go to university in a big town, then you do usually get an apartment there. But if you stay in your general local area, you're not going to leave your parents. There's a culture of staying with your family a lot more in those countries. And there is mainly, for example, in, 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 in Belgium here. I mean, here people, uh, even if their parents live in Brussels or, or they don't, they will still get a... Um, a student lodging, for example, uh, to be to become independent. So, so cultural differences are also there, and we can't just always think about things in the economic mindset, right? Um, but to have this this episode more, more or less in a nutshell, I think is that the term inequality we shouldn't be as concerned with the with the disparity of income, let's say, between every stratus in society. I don't think that's the way we should look at things because that's just going to cause resentment and jealousy and that's what we see and oh i see that person that has more than me um that can't be it i want half your money so i have it in my pocket right i think i think that's a bad philosophy to see inequality i think the the right way to fight for the dispossessed and to fight for the people that really do need it the most to fight for the people that are at the bottom of those of, of of that social stratus that don't have enough to eat don't have shelter for example don't have uh, good health care don't have good education um is to make sure that those needs are covered there and um, preoccupy ourselves with that and not preoccupy ourselves with how much the people at the top have. Again, if inequality was just sorted out by handing out money, uh, sorry, uh, poverty, right? Even in, even in the West. So if that was just sorted out by handing out money, that would have been sorted out decades ago already, right? Just give a check. But, but that doesn't cut it because then if, if people become too comfortable with the income from the state, and and I've known this. I mean, I know I'm not going to give now any names because I don't want to criminalize anyone. I know a lot of people that they don't need that income, and they still receive around a thousand euros a month from the state uh, to be able to live alone and study. Right? There is quite a good welfare estate in generally in Europe, uh, or at least there is in Belgium. So saying that young people don't have these chances or not, I mean, I've seen it and. People are basically screwing the state. A lot of them are screwing the state. And again, this misconception of what is, not misconception, but um, how would I say? Not misconception, but the wrong idea we have about public money. I don't like to see it as public money. I, I like to see it as taxpayers' money, right? Which is a bit different. 
Public money means is public or is the money of the state in a way, so they can use it for whatever the hell they want. For me, taxpayers' money, I would see it more as the money of the society of the people that have contributed to have that amount of money there, so it can be redistributed and used for public services in general. Uh, and if you start, and I, I hope if politicians start seeing the money they have in their pocket as money from the people that pay those taxes, things will be radically different. Because then you know that the money that you are spending, it's not just money that has come out of nowhere. It's money that people have worked hard to get. And then through the social contract, they actually pay that to the state. First, because I have no other choice. But that's how we decided that a society should work, is that everyone should contribute one way or another. Then we can discuss if the people that higher need to pay more or less taxes that's always an interesting discussion to have and at which points they need to have more social social democratic uh, policies for the economy or other points you have more liberal uh, policies for the economy all these things is what you, is how you have a healthy political debate right i spoke about this in in in, in the last episode is like how do we use the budget uh, do we need to get more tax to get less taxes i can give you an answer you don't you don't get over an economic crisis by asking for more taxes out of the people. That's not usually how it how it works. Uh, but again, I'm not an economist. Uh, I really do urge people to do their research on how the economy works a bit and what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past. I think that's most important because most of the things that most of these things have been tested, right? People that have tried to abolish inequality have miserably failed, miserably failed. And I think the power of bodies to prove that is high enough i think it really is high enough millions of bodies on there right um so that's something to to to, to take into account just to finalize then with my general conclusion i don't think inequality is something that is bad that is inherently bad inequality was will always be there in all sorts all sorts of shapes and sizes and forms all sorts of inequalities what we need to make sure is that we all have the same opportunities again it's an utopia but that's an utopia that we can actually strive for right it's not the same utopia saying the quality of outcome which actually strive for that everyone the demographic the, the the percentage of people that represent one specific demographic need to be equally redistributed at every single stratus in society uh generally speaking that's a quality of outcome is that if you represent x percentage of the society need to be equally redistributed in every single stratus of society um and again okay so please just think about the term inequality let's see a bit how is it different how what are the real issues within inequality and again the real issues is we need to be preoccupied ourselves with the people that have nothing the people at the bottom um and the term inequality basically looks at the differences between the people there and the people there but i don't think that should be the the vision i don't think that that should be our our main issues i think the main issues is to preoccupy ourselves with the people that are there and leave the other people be that's a bit the idea. And just think about what can a person in Europe with 1,000 euros, can they be considered a poor person? Because then again, in, in, in these statistics, they will be. If the poverty line is under 1,112 euros here in Belgium, every single person, they may earn 1,110, 1,109, etc., etc., etc. They will be considered as in the number in those statistics. So always try and see a bit if 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 you see a statistic x number of people have gone up in the poverty line uh, or more people are are in poverty now of course covid has caused huge 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 issues in 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 poverty right um but i think there's we really need to get our definition straight when it comes to equality and that's generally what i want to stop it here so please is equality inherently bad 
I personally don't think so. Uh, people do need to be equal before the law. People need to be equal uh, in terms of dignity. People need to have access to education, to healthcare. Those underlining things that say that people do need. But then when it comes to equality of outcome, uh, that's a completely different story. And we shouldn't preoccupy ourselves as much as how much the person above me has, but how much does the person below me doesn't have, right? Not in comparison to the person above them, but what don't they have at the beginning to be able to achieve their dreams or to be able to live a dignified life? And I think that's where our scope of action should be and that's where we should preoccupy ourselves. Um, not about the top people or even, I mean, I, I can preoccupy myself with someone that earns 2,000 euros a month, right? But why Why should I? I want to preoccupy myself with the person that doesn't earn as much as me. I say, okay, why is that? I want to lift up that that general level of well-being for those people at the bottom because we are going upwards slowly but surely. People are getting better lives. Uh, a poor person can't, in my in my humble opinion, in my definition, a poor person wouldn't be able to afford uh, to go drinking two or three times a week, um, buy cigarettes, for example, or to do to do whatever, or to go to the cinema. If you're poor, you can't afford that. But the definition in Europe begs to the contrary you can do that with the poverty line that is initially or right now in place but anyway that was for today um i hope you got a bit my my sense of understanding when it comes to inequality and when it comes to extreme poverty and poverty in itself uh i'm not entirely sure i was actually that detailed in what i wanted to explain i got a bit lost with my thoughts but then again um just different kinds of perceptions and i want people to have their own definition of what is poverty what is inequality uh and what is the right approach let's say to tackle inequality and how inequality is used so badly let's say to push forward political agendas and say that inequality is so bad but inequality in itself is not really bad in itself if you know what i mean if you listen to the past 36 minutes you will know what i mean but anyway again so this is my pie civico and thank you very much for watching or listening. See you next time.